0: So, welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 216. Today, as we look at Ezekiel and John, we notice this theme running throughout where God reminds the people that they are being unfaithful, and He describes it in a number of different ways in Ezekiel. At the same time, God shows that He is willing to be faithful, that He is the God who keeps His covenant, He keeps His promises and he's the faithful husband to the unfaithful wife, his people. And in doing so, he proves it in Jesus who comes to offer himself for the very unfaithful people who look to him only for his stuff rather than to get him himself. And so as we look through this, uh, these passages today, my hope and prayer is that we will see our own unfaithfulness, but also God's faithfulness that leads to renewal and change so that the unfaithful people, seeing God's faithfulness, become a new faithful people themselves. And we begin today then in Ezekiel chapter 16. The Lord's message came to me saying, Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her abominable practices and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your origin and your birth were in the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your umbilical cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water. You were certainly not rubbed down with salt nor wrapped with blankets. No eye took pity on you to do even one of those things for you, to spare you. You were thrown out into the open field because you were detested on the day that you were born. I passed by you and saw you kicking around helplessly in your blood. I said to you as you lay there on the, in your blood, live. And I said to you as you lay there in your blood, live. I made you plentiful, like sprouts in the field. You grew tall and came of age so that you could wear jewelry. Your breasts had formed and your hair had grown, but you were still naked and bare. Then I passed by you and watched you, noticing that you had reached the age for love. I spread my cloak over you and covered your nakedness. I swore a solemn oath to you and entered into a marriage covenant with you, declares the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Then I bathed you in water, washed the blood off of you, and anointed you with fragrant oil. I dressed you in embroidered clothing and put fine leather sandals on your feet. I wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your hands and a necklace around your neck. I put a ring in your nose, earrings on your ears, and beautiful crown on your head. You were adorned with gold and silver while your clothing was of fine linen, silk, and embroidery. You ate the finest flour, honey, and olive oil. You became extremely beautiful and attained the position of royalty. Your fame spread among the nations because of your beauty. Your beauty was perfect because of the splendor that I bestowed on you, declares the Sovereign Lord. But you trusted in your beauty and capitalized on your fame by becoming a prostitute. You offered your sexual favors to every man who passed by so that your beauty became his. You took some of your clothing and made for yourself decorated high places. You engaged in prostitution on them. You went to him who to become his. You also took your beautiful jewelry made of my gold and my silver that I had given you and made for yourself male images and engaged in prostitution with them. You took embroidered clothing and used it to cover them. You offered my olive oil and my incense to them. As for my food that I gave you, the fine flour, olive oil, and honey I fed you, you placed it before them as a soothing aroma. That is exactly what happened, declares the Sovereign Lord. You took your sons and your daughters, whom you bore to me, and you sacrificed them as food for the idols to eat. As if your prostitution was not enough, you slaughtered my children and sacrificed them to the idols. And with all your abominable practices and prostitution, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked, bare, and kicking around in your blood. After all your evil, woe, woe to you, declares the Lord. You built yourself a chamber and put up a pavilion in every public square. At the head of every street you erected your pavilion and you disgraced your beauty when you spread your legs to every passerby and multiplied your promiscuity. You engaged in prostitution with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, multiplying your promiscuity and provoking me to anger. So see here, I have stretched out my hand against you and cut off your rations. I have delivered you into the power of those who hate you, the daughters of the Philistines, who you are ashamed of, who were ashamed of your obscene conduct. You engaged in prostitution with the Assyrians because your desires were insatiable. You prostituted yourself with them, and yet you were still not satisfied. Then you multiplied your promiscuity in the land of the merchants, Babylonia, but you were not satisfied there either. How sick is your heart, declares the Sovereign Lord, when you perform all these acts, these deeds of bold prostitute, of a bold prostitute, when you build your chamber at the head of every street and put up your pavilion in every public square, You are not like a prostitute because you scoffed at payment. Adulterous wife, who prefers strangers instead of her own husband. All prostitutes receive payment, but instead you give gifts to every one of your lovers. You bribe them to come to you from all around for your sexual favors. You are different from other prostitutes because no one solicited you. When you gave payment and no payment was given to you, you became the opposite. Therefore, you prostitute, listen to the Lord's message. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because your lust was poured out on, and your nakedness was uncovered in your prostitution with your lovers, all because of all your detestable idols and because of the blood of your idols and the blood of your children you have given to them, therefore take note. I am about to gather all your lovers whom you enjoyed, both all those who you loved and all those you hated. I will gather them against you from all around and I will expose your nakedness to them and they will see all of your nakedness. I will punish you as an adulteress and murderer deserves. I will avenge your bloody deeds with furious rage. I will give you into their hands and they will destroy your chambers and tear down your pavilions. They will strip you of your clothing and take your beautiful jewelry and leave you naked and bare. They will summon a mob who will stone you and hack you to pieces with their swords. They will burn down your houses and execute judgments on you in front of many women. This will be put a stop to your prostitution, and you will no longer give your gifts to your clients. I will exhaust my rage on you, and then my fury will turn from you. I will calm down and no longer be angry. Because you did not remember the days of your youth, and have enraged me with all these deeds, I hereby repay you for what you have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Have you not engaged in prostitution, on top of all your other abominable practices? Observe, everyone who quotes Proverbs will quote this proverb about you, like mother, like daughter. You are the daughter of your mother, who detested her husband and her sons, and you are the sister of your sisters, who detested their husbands and their sons. Your mother was a Hittite and your father an Amorite. Your older sister was Samaria, who lived north of you with her daughters, and your younger sister, who lived south of you, was Sodom with her daughters. Have you not copied their behavior and practiced their abominable deeds? In a short time, you became even more depraved in all your conduct than they were. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, your sister Sodom and her daughters never behaved as wickedly as you and your daughters have behaved. See here, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had majesty, abundance of food, and enjoyed carefree ease, but they did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and practiced abominable deeds before me. Therefore, when I saw it, I removed them. Samaria has not committed half the sins you have. You have done more abominable deeds than they did. You have made your sisters appear righteous with all the abominable things you have done. So now bear your disgrace, because you have given your sisters reason to justify their behavior. Because the sins you have committed were more abominable than those of your sisters, they have become more righteous than you. So now be ashamed and bear the disgrace of making your sisters appear righteous. I will restore their fortunes, the fortunes of Sodom and her daughters, and the fortunes of Samaria and her daughters, along with your fortunes among them, so that they may bear your disgrace and be ashamed of all that you have done in consoling them. As for your sisters, Sodom and her daughters will be restored to their former status. Samaria and her daughters will be restored to their former status, and you and your daughters will be restored to to your former status. In your days of majesty, was not Sodom your sister a byword in your mouth? besetting your evil, before your evil was exposed? Now you have become an object of scorn to the daughters of Aram and all those around her, and to the daughters of the Philistines, those around you who despise you. You must bear your punishment for your obscene conduct and your abominable practice. practices, declares the Lord. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will deal with you according to what you have done when you despised your oath by breaking your covenant. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish a lasting covenant with you. Then you will remember your conduct and be ashamed when you receive your older and younger sisters. I will give them to you as daughters, but not on account of my covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you, and then you will know that I am the Lord. Then you will remember, be ashamed, and remain silent because of your disgrace when I make atonement for all you have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. I'm just going to pause here just to remind you, all of that imagery is all about the nation of Israel. It's not about a particular person, but about the nation being this unfaithful wife who becomes a prostitute to God, their husband. And yet God at the end says that in the end, he's going to actually bring them back and make atonement for all they have done. Now chapter 17, the Lord's message came to me saying, son of man, offer a riddle and tell a parable to the house of Israel. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. A great eagle with broad wings, long feathers, with plume with full plumage that has multi that is multi-hued, came to Lebanon and took up the top of a cedar. He plucked off its topmost shoot. He brought it to the land of merchants and planted it in the city of traders. He took one of the seedlings of the land, placed it in a cultivated plot, a shoot by abundant water, like a willow. He planted it. It sprouted and became a vine, spreading low to the ground. Its branches turning toward him. Its roots were under itself. So it became a vine. It produced shoots and sent out branches. There was another great eagle with broad wings and thick plumage. Now this vine twisted its roots toward him, and it sent its branches toward him to be watered from the soil that were where it was planted. In a good field by abundant waters it was planted to grow branches, bear fruit, and become a fruitful vine. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Will it prosper? Will he not rip out its roots and cause its fruit to rot and wither? All its foliage will wither. No strong iron or large army will be needed to pull it up by its roots. Consider, it is planted, but will it prosper? Will it not wither completely when the east wind blows on it? Will it not wither in the soil where it is sprouted? Then the Lord's message came to me, saying, Say to the rebellious house of Israel, Don't you know that these th- what these things mean? Say, See here, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and took her king and her official's prisoner and brought them to himself in Babylon. He took one from the royal family, made a treaty with him, and put him under oath. Then he took the leaders of the land so that it would be a lowly kingdom that could not rise on its own, but had to keep its treaty with him in order to stand. But this one from Israel's royal family rebelled against the king of Babylon by sending his enemies, his emissaries to Egypt to obtain horses and a large army. Will he prosper? Will the one doing these things escape? Can he break the covenant and escape? As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, surely in the city of the king who crowned him, whose oath he despised, and whose covenant he broke, in the middle of Babylon, he will die. Pharaoh, with his great army and mighty horde, will not help him in battle, when siege ramps are erected and siege walls are built to kill many people. He despised the oath by breaking the covenant. Take note, he gave his promise and did all these things. He will not escape. Therefore, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. As surely as I live, I will certainly repay him for despising my oath and breaking my covenant. I will throw my net over him and he will be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and judge him because of the unfaithfulness he committed against me. All the choice men among his troops will die by the sword and the survivors will be scattered to every wind. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and plant it. I will pluck from the top of one of its tender twigs. I will myself plant it on a high and lofty mountain. I will plant it on a high mountain of Israel, and it will raise branches and produce fruit and become a beautiful cedar. Every bird will live under it. Every winged creature will live in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. I will make the high tree low. I will raise up the low tree. I will make the green tree wither, and I will make the dry tree sprout. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. The Lord's message came to me, saying, What do you mean by quoting this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The father eats sour grapes, and the children's teeth become none? As surely as I live, declares the Lord, the sovereign Lord, you will not quote this proverb in Israel anymore. Indeed, all lives are mine. The life of the father as well as the life of the son is mine. The one who sins will die. Suppose a man is righteous. He practices what is just and right does not eat pagan sacrifices on the mountains or pray to the idols in the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife, does not approach a woman for marital relations during her period, does not oppress anyone, but gives the debtor back whatever was given in pledge, does not commit robbery, but gives his bread to the hungry and clothes the naked, does not engage in usury or charge interest, but refrains from wrongdoing, promotes true justice between men, and follows my statutes and observes my regulations by carrying them out, that man is righteous. He will certainly live, declares the sovereign Lord. Suppose such a man has a violent son who sheds blood and does any of the things mentioned previously, though the father did not do any of them. He eats pagan sacrifices on the mountains, defies, defiles his neighbor's wife, oppresses the poor and needy, commits robbery, does not give back what was given in pledge, prays to idols, performs abominable acts, engages in usury and charges interest. Will he live? He will not. Because he has done all these abominable deeds, he will certainly die. He will bear the responsibility for his own death. But suppose he, in turn, has a son who notices all the sins that his father commits, considers them, and does not follow his father's example. He does not eat pagan sacrifices on the mountains, does not pray to the idols of the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife, does not oppress anyone or keep what has been given in pledge, does not commit robbery, gives food to the hungry, and clothes the naked, refrains from wrongdoing, does not engage in usury or charge interest, carries out my regulations, and follows my statutes. He will not die for his father's iniquity, he will surely live. As for his father, because he practices extortion, robs his brother, and does what is not good among his people, he will die for his, for his own iniquity. Yet you say, why should the son not suffer for the father's iniquity? When the son does what is just and right, and observes all my statutes and carries them out, he will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. A son will not suffer for his father's iniquity, and a father will not suffer for his son's iniquity. The righteous person will be judged according to his righteousness, and the wicked person according to his wickedness. But if the wicked person turns from all the sin he has committed, and observes all my statutes, and does what is just and right, he will surely live. He will not die. None of his sins he has committed will be held against him. Because of the righteousness he has done, he will live. Do I actually delight in the death of the wicked, declares the Sovereign Lord? Do I not prefer that he turn from his wicked conduct and live? But if a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and practices wrongdoing, according to all the abominable practices the wicked carry out, will he live? All his righteous acts will not be remembered. Because of the unfaithful acts he has done and the sin he has committed, he will die. Yet you say, the Lord's conduct is unjust. Hear, O Israel, house of Israel, is my conduct unjust? Is it not your conduct that is unjust? When a righteous person turns back from his righteousness and practices wrongdoing, he will die for it because of the wrongdoing he has done. He will die. When a wicked person turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he will preserve his life. Because he considered and turned from all the sins he had done, he will surely live, he will not die. Yet the house of Israel says, The Lord's conduct is unjust. Is my conduct unjust, O house of Israel? Is not your conduct that is unjust? Therefore I will judge each person according to his conduct, O house of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from all your wickedness. Then it will not be an obstacle leading to iniquity. Throw away all your sins you have committed and fashion yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why should you die, O house of Israel? For I take no delight in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. And so there, God reminds the people that they've been unfaithful, but that He is faithful, and He will even take those who have been unfaithful, who turn to Him and repent, who admit their sinfulness and ask for forgiveness, that He will show them mercy and He will restore them. And that is all done through Jesus, and that's why we turn now to John chapter 6 and read about his work, his ongoing showing of mercy and grace to people, as hard as it is for them to believe and understand at times as well. John chapter 6. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd was following him because they were observing the miraculous signs he was performing on the sick. So Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Jewish feast of the Passover was near. Then Jesus, when he looked up and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where can we buy bread so that these people may eat? Now Jesus said this to test him, for he knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Two hundred silver coins worth of bread would not be enough for them, for each one even to get a little. One of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Here is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was a lot of grass in that place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed the bread to those who were seated. He then did the same with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were all satisfied, Jesus said to his disciples, Gather up the broken pieces that are left over, so that nothing is wasted. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with broken pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over the people who had eaten. Now, when the people saw that the miraculous sign that Jesus had performed, they began to say to one another, This certainly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Then Jesus, because he knew they were going to come and seize him by force to make him king, withdrew up again up the mountainside alone. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, got into a boat, and started to cross the lake to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. By now a strong wind was blowing, and the sea was getting rough. Then, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they caught sight of Jesus walking on the lake approaching the boat, and they were frightened. But they said to him, But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat came to the land where they had been heading. The next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the lake realized that only one small boat had been there and that Jesus had not boarded it with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came to shore near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the solemn truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the loaves of bread you wanted. Do not work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life, the food which the Son of Man will give you. For God the Father has put his seal of approval on him. So then they said to him, What, what must be do to accomplish the deeds God requires? Jesus replied, This is the deed God requires to believe in the one whom he sent. So they said to him, Then what miraculous sign will you perform so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus told them, I tell you the solemn truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but my Father is who is giving you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread all the time. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never grow hungry, and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you that you have seen me, and still you do not believe. Everyone whom the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never send away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. Now this is the will of the one who sent me that I should not lose one person of everyone who he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, for everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him to have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Then the Jews who were hostile to Jesus began complaining about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said to him, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven. Jesus replied, Do not complain about me to one another, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who hears and learns from the Father comes to me. Not that everyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. I tell you the solemn truth. The one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life, Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that has come down from heaven, so that a person may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews who were hostile to Jesus began to argue with one another. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the solemn truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood resides in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who consumes me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the bread your ancestors ate, but then later died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Then many of his disciples, when they heard these things, said, This is a difficult saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining about this, he said to them, Does this cause you to be offended? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. Human nature is of no help. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had already known from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So Jesus added, Because of this I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has allowed him to come. After this, many of the disciples quit following him and did not accompany him any longer. So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus replied, Didn't I choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he said this about Judas, son of Iscariot, for Judas, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And so Jesus makes it clear that the only way for unfaithful people to be brought back to a faithful God is by turning to Jesus. And in one sense, trusting in Him, eating Him as the bread of life, so that the unfaithful can now be brought to the faithful God forever. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http://netbible httpnetbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.